great to have you back for this uh, last session today. It's been really good to uh, begin to engage over lunch and coffee uh, about some of these things. See, Jesus spent many times with his 12, sat around debating, discussing, learning together. And we've done some of that as we've unpacked what we've heard this morning over lunchtime. But it's only the beginning of the conversation that we'll be having now over many months and years of what is going on and what God wants us to do. One person came to us uh, over lunch and said, I think that God's been saying something to me all week. And as we listened to her and uh, heard the, the Bible verse that she was sharing, we wanted just for a moment to uh, hear Sherilee speak on that. So Sherilee's going to come and just tell us something that God's been doing uh, and saying to her. Um, yeah, well, one is just a reading of encouragement, um, a reading of encouragement for the church, because, you know, it is tough for us all change. Um, we all know that, but God is good. And I don't know if I can read and hold, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that's, that's lovely. <laughs> okay. No, it's not long. Isaiah. Um, it's in Isaiah 42. No, it's Isaiah 43. This is what God says, the God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through bounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do a new brand, a brand new thing. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road to the desert. Rivers in the badlands, wild animals will say thank you. Coyotes and buzzards will too, because I provided water in the desert. Rivers through the sun-baked earth, drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially for myself, a people custom-made to praise me. You know, I feel like God is saying, well, he is saying, it's new things are exciting in him. You know, it's not scary. It's actually exciting. And... Um, I know I've only got 30 seconds, but it's important that you hear this one. Um, I, I had a dream, and um, I, yeah, actually you could read it for me. Is that all right when I ask you to? It'd be easier. Um, I had a dream last week, um, and it was specifically for me. I know that. I know what God was telling me. Um, I was a little girl, about six, and I was standing on the steps, and there was a huge step in front of me, and I knew I had to go up that step. But as I went to go, I felt bad about it. It wasn't right. And the sun was blocking me. I was so hot, the sun was scorching me, and it wasn't right. And I kept thinking, but I need to make that next move. And a voice behind me said, don't go up that step, not just yet. Come back. Come back to me. And it was God. I know the path. The path stays the same, but you need to come back to me. That was very significant. Two days later, I had a reading. Um, and if you read it from there. Set up signposts to mark your trip home. Get a good map. Sturdy the road conditions. The road out is the road back. Come back, dear Virgin Israel. Come back to your hometowns. How long will you flit here and there indecisive? How long before you make up your fickle mind? God will create a new thing in this land. A transformed woman will embrace the transforming God. Um, and although that was private for me, I know exactly what God was telling me. Um, in a different part of my life, when I sat this morning and saw the steps up on the screen, it was like a thunderbolt. He said, it's not just for you, share it. It's the church as, as well. I've, I've been in this church all my life, all about 15 years, and those steps, you know, they've always been there. Um, the steps aren't changing. We can go up, but I feel God saying, trust me, come back, 
do a new thing with me. It was worth every, every second more. One of the, the things I heard a lot of you say over lunch is, I get it. I kind of begin to see what, what God might be doing, but what does that mean for me? What does it look like from here on in? And so we uh, turn to look at that this afternoon. But before we do, we're going to sing a song, a brave song. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Jesus. Because this is looking at how Jesus did it. That whole last session was taking our clues, our cues, our instructions, our paths from who Jesus was and what he did. And so as we come to think about what this means for us as a community, let's fix our eyes on him and say, open our eyes to see what you're doing. What's this new thing that you're leading us to? How can we be transformed so that we can be transforming? Let's stand together and pray this as a prayer. Open the eyes of my heart. And that's our prayer, Lord. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to be transformed by you so that we may go out and be those kind of people you're calling us to be, Jesus people, people who walk like you walk, talk like you talk, people who rely on the power of God like you did. We want to be people who see this town changed for you, for the brokenhearted to be wrapped up, for the healing of God to come in this place. We want to be the kind of people that take your word seriously and go and be a blessing to others as you've blessed us. We want to go and be the kind of people who meet needs in your name, who punch holes in the darkness because you are the light. We want to go and be Jesus' people in this place. So as we gather again, open our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, and our lives ready to receive all that you're asking of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 10 out of 10 for sticking with it thus far. This is where we ended up at the end of our time this morning. Uh, If you missed some of this morning, uh, I'd really encourage you to listen to it uh, at another time, both the first session uh, and then the, the middle session of this morning. The podcasts, I'm told, have been uh, a bit slow coming on this last week or so. We will get these up and on in the next day or so, uh, so you'll be able to find them in your usual way. This is where we ended. We need to fill the gap. Remember the gap that we talked about? Uh, with, with something that takes seriously what the Bible is talking about when the Bible talks about biblical church, this oikos, uh, down here, uh, and also fill it with something that takes seriously the various aspects of the life and ministry of Jesus that we've been looking at. In the end, he said, come, follow me. And if we take that seriously, we need to pick up some of the balance that we've talked about and some of the strategy that we've talked about as well. So for this afternoon, what is a missional community? Now, uh, you might hear very many different words used in things that you read and things that are talked about. In fact, churches all over the Western world are being stirred in the way that we are talking about uh, today. We're not on our own, we're not in the lead, and we won't be the last. Uh, God is doing something, and so there are conversations all around the Western church along the lines 
of the kind of conversations that we've been having uh, today. And you'll hear words like cluster or mid-sized community or mission-shaped community or missional communities. Uh, The name in the end doesn't really matter. Take your pick. In other parts of the world where the church is growing fastest, they seem to have grasped these principles in a way that the Western church hasn't yet. So God is on the move. Missional communities and introduction. So a missional community then is a, yeah, brilliant time. A missional community then is a mid-sized group that's seeking to recover what we might begin to understand as a biblical congregation, that middle-sized grouping, that biblical community, that oikos through which we saw from those verses at the end of this morning, through which the church in Acts grew. It's a group that balances up in and out, not surprisingly, because that's what church is. Church is a Jesus movement, a movement of people that connect with God, that gather other like-minded people to build and strengthen them, and then go out to win others. That's what church is. That's what we're called to be in its fullest sense. But a missional community uh, is not only a, a group that combines up, in, and out, but it's a group that's defined by the out, defined by the missional objective. Any group, it doesn't matter whether it's a church, a golf club, a tiddlywinks club, an aeroplane club, it doesn't matter. Any group of people are prone to inertia. Have you noticed that? Schools are, universities are, where you work is prone to inertia. Now the the reason, therefore, that we make the out as the thing that drives the community is because that helps us keep focus. So what if we turn that triangle on its side for a moment and you have up and you have in and you have out. A missional community is a community that's driven by its missional objective. It's driven by its out. And as I say there, um, it'll come back on the screen in a moment, lay-led and a community, not an event when it works well. Key word then for today, remember from the beginning, was the word and. And. This is something that we do not instead of what we've been doing, but alongside what we've been doing. This is an and. We can't lose this. It's an important part of being a biblical church. We can't lose this either. It's an important part of being a biblical church. But we need to rediscover this. Now, there are a number of issues that suddenly come to mind when we start talking like that. The first is, you will already know that time-wise, you are up to your neck with church. Mary had a little lamb. She also had a sheep. They both joined the Baptist church and died for lack of sleep. So we, we can't add things unless we're prepared to not take things away, but modify the relative emphases of those things. Remember this cathedral temple model? We do this every week. How often do they go to the temple? So we might not need this as much as we think that we do, the meeting like this. And immediately you will say, but I need it to be fed. You don't understand, I need feeding. And you do absolutely need feeding. You need this absolutely unequivocally. But if you're really going to grow as a Christian, you need this and you need the opportunity to put it into practice. Isn't that what an apprentice does? 
He gets taught about it, and then he or she has the opportunity to begin to do it. If all we do is this, we talk about it, then we will not grow. We need this to understand our faith, but we need other things alongside it in order for our faith to grow. So when we begin talking about missional communities, and we are inclined to say, but what about church? We have to remember that a missional community is church. Up, in, and out. A group of people that are being church in the way that they live together. Let me share with you a few examples. I went one morning on my sabbatical, on a Sunday morning, I went to lots of churches during my sabbatical, but hardly any meetings like this. And one Sunday morning, uh, I went to just outside uh, Watford, to a church called St. Andrews in Chorley Wood. And then I left where their main church base is and went into the centre of Watford, where one of their missional communities was meeting that Sunday morning, called Manor. It was a missional community that was driven by an out... to reach people that live on the streets. That was the oikos, the network, the the social grouping of people that already existed that this missional community was seeking to reach. When I arrived, there would have been about 30, most of them men, but not all, about 30 people that uh, lived on the streets that were sitting around tables, drinking coffee and chatting together uh, quite effusively, animatedly, a bit like you and I do when we meet each other here on a Sunday morning. It was that kind of conversation. These were people that knew each other, that met each other, that were pleased to see each other and be in relationship with one another. They carried on eating and chatting away for a while, and then one of the leaders of the missional community stood up and welcomed everybody to the morning And uh, she very simply said, as these men were sitting around the table, she very simply said, how did God make the world? And one man said, he spoke it, didn't he? And then she began to talk about the power of words. And just for two or three minutes, about how words can build up and words can knock down, words can be creative and words can be destructive, very simply. And then she invited the people there around those tables to talk about the way they'd be affected by words and the way they'd used words in perhaps an inappropriate, a destructive way. Again, animated talking around the tables with these men, most of them middle-aged, many of them on the edges, the margins of what we might call uh, normal society. And then she said, let's pray for one another. And then they began to pray around their tables. And you could hear them talking about being sorry for something they'd said to somebody else or asking God to help them where they'd been hurt by something else that had been said to them. And then she asked, what else would you like us to pray for? And several men raised their hand and talked about what they needed God to help them with and they prayed around their tables. There was more church in that 40 minutes than we often find in our meetings. Can you understand that? There's more church than we might manage amongst ourselves. The team that were running it were connecting with God, praying together, ministering to one another. They were huddling together. They were part of an in-group and they were uh, extending their community into this missional community activity. They weren't in the church of St. Andrews on that Sunday morning, but they were very much the church that Sunday morning. We could do that. We could do that. 
It looks very much like open door. We could do that. Come with me to Morden Baptist Church. So that was an Anglican church. Come with me to Morden Baptist Church that meets in South London. Morden, funnily enough, uh, just outside Wimbledon. I went to their church, uh, but then I went with them to one of their missional communities, one of 15 missional communities that they had. And this missional community was called Play Days, and it was reaching out to young families. That was the social network that they were trying to connect with. And so several Sundays a month, they would take over a local uh, play center like Wacky Warehouse or uh, Kids Kingdom or um, well, Snakes and Ladders. Those are all play centers in Ipswich, for those of you who've got no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, take over one of those and, uh, and simply put a sign up outside. Morden Baptist Church welcomes you in. Anyone could go in. So as I arrived, the place was full. Kids were having a whale of a time on all the apparatus. Round the tables, there were different members of the team and different parents chatting. Some were reading a newspaper, some were drinking coffee. Animated conversation, people pleased to see each other again. Same kind of dynamic that I talked about some moments ago. And then a little bit later, they said, hey, it's story time for anyone who wants it. Almost, not all, almost all the kids on the play centre came legging off the play centre into another room uh, and their mums and dads needed to go with them into this other room. Sorry, what I should have said is while all this play centre stuff was going on, there was a table laid out of craft activities and you could go to the table and make something just when you were ready with your mum or dad when you wanted to. They were making animals. The theme was Noah's Ark that day. They were making animal masks. So they'd be doing that for a bit, they'd go back on the place. And then there was this call for story time, all rushed into this side room, sat around in a big circle, and, and, and the part of the team just started talking with families about the story of Noah's Ark. And then she said, you know, we love praying for people as a church, what can we pray for? And some of the mums and dads around the room started talking about things that uh, uh, they needed help with. And I said to the person I was with, so about how many of these are normally connected with your church? Ooh, just about 40. The other 60 are people were reaching. The other 60 are people were reaching. There was more church in that moment than maybe sometimes we manage in our meetings. But you know what? We could do that. We could do that. The team that were running it were connecting with God up in. They were building relationships together and extending that community out, up, in and out. They weren't in their church building that Sunday morning. But hey, they were definitely being church on that particular day. Come with me to St. Thomas's in Sheffield, a Baptist and Anglican LEP, a, a, a joint a partnership of two denominations. St. Thomas's Sheffield. They have over 60 missional communities at the moment. One missional community that meets twice a month on a Sunday is reaching out to a social group of mountain climbers. It's near the Peak District. Ideal, lovely way to spend a Sunday on a day like this. It's getting your attention already. So, they would meet for breakfast at the mountain centre. They would pray together. They would read their Bible together. They'd connect with God. They'd connect with each other. Then they'd go out for most of the day walking in the mountains. And they simply had this mantra that they would talk about Jesus as much as they could with the people that they knew, mountaineers, fellow mountaineers. And then at the end of the day, say four o'clock, they'd come back and they'd pray together and they'd talk about how the day had been for them. Up, in, and out. So how many people are coming to faith through that, was my obvious question. Oh, about one a month, was the reply. Now, 
we haven't got any mountains in Suffolk, so this one's lost on us. But we have lots and lots of hobbies. We have lots and lots of activities that some of us share. We could do that. It wouldn't be mountaineering, it'd be something like that. But we could do that up in and out. And so you see, instead of uh, church drawing us out of the community into here, missional community is all about putting us back in to the community. Let's watch on the screen. Missional community. Simple. Bob is the owner of the local hobby shop and president of the remote control airplane club. Each Wednesday after work, the members of the airplane club get together to race, share in the joy of airplanes, compare designs, and to pass on the knowledge of model airplanes to their kids and grandkids. Bob goes to a church service with his sister on Christmas Eve and decides to become a Christian. He regularly attends Sunday services, finds his way into a small group, and joins the Wednesday night church gathering. He realizes that his commitment to church programs and his commitment to the airplane club are at odds. The church leadership empathizes with the situation but tell him it'd be better to attend the Wednesday program rather than spend time building airplanes. The church leadership also encourages Bob to get more involved in the church, leaving no time for airplanes. Bob agrees. Giving up a silly hobby will be his sacrifice for the Lord. Eventually, Bob's friends begin wondering what happened to him. In their minds, he was a critical part of the model airplane community. When they'd wander into his hobby shop, they'd ask, What happened to you? We miss you. Bob begins to realize that he's becoming an outsider to all the conversation, significant or otherwise, that always unfolded during their Wednesdays together. Bob explains that he'd found something more important than model airplanes, and he even offers an invitation to the Wednesday night church meeting. Some of the airplane club try out his church because they respect and love Bob. But a lot of them decide not to go because they value the time together with family and friends on Wednesday evenings. After some time, Bob becomes a key leader in the church and hears his call to go and reach those people he knew from the club. Since giving up the regular meeting with the club, his interaction feels more difficult than he'd imagined. After all, Bob, their leader, left them for what seemed to be just another club on Wednesday evenings. Somewhat troubled, Bob decides to take a break from Wednesday night church gatherings and re-enter the world of model airplanes. Some in the church were deeply concerned for Bob's spiritual well-being. Others were disgruntled. Then someone asked the question, What if we resource Bob to be even more effective at building healthy community where he already is? Let's help him to better live out more of Jesus' heart for compassion, generosity, peace, and love among people that know him best. After all, Bob is the most likely access point for those people to encounter Jesus. The church agrees. Bob's church is now determined to help him follow Jesus and assist him in living out his faith in the community that had been built around him. Bob now sees both his dedication to his church and to the model airplane community as critical components in following Jesus. One of the things that we talked about early on this morning, which seems an epoch ago, I realize that, is that our outreach potential, our ability to connect with people in a post-Christian context is getting weaker and weaker. The, the beauty of community is that everybody is part of or wanting to be part of community. There are all kinds of community networks already in existence and where there aren't because of the way society has fallen apart people are desperate for it community is part of the answer therefore on so many different levels but I want to think for a moment about our reach into the community 
as a church in the way that we are at the moment. You might see up there, it's a bit small, but those different size uh, groupings. Currently, it looks a bit like this in terms of our reach into our culture. And in fact, these figures are out of date now. They're quite high compared to what most stats would currently say. So there we've got it. 10% of people are regularly in church on a Sunday. It's probably more like five, to be honest, at the moment. Another 10% are kind of on the fringe. So Christmas, Easter, and the other services, they come in and fill the place up. We see that happening, don't we? So we have a reach of about 20% of people. Then statistics suggest that another 20% of uh, the society, the culture, our UK culture, is open but de-churched. That is, they know about church, they understand how church works. In fact, they probably used to be connected with a church, and their life has changed, and they just drifted away. But in theory, they would be open to coming back. So we could reach those people, in theory. That's 10, 10, and 20. That's 40% of the population. The rest of the population is a lot harder for us. The next 20% are those de-churched, but closed de-churched. They know all about church, but they've left for good reason, thank you very much. It's full of hypocrites, and they don't know what they're talking about, and it has no relevance to my modern age, and I've been hurt by the vicar or the parish warden or the minister or the deacon or whatever it might be. So for them, church is a bad thing, and they've already decided that they're not going to connect with it anymore in their lives. And there's about 40% who are totally clueless, who think you might need to book your seat if you want to come to church. Have no idea that church is open to people just to wander in. No idea that a service is available and you can just come in and find a seat. Because where else can you do that? Now, we think that's bizarre, but that's where a lot of people are today. And this is rapidly now, rapidly changing to something that looks more like that. So our ability to reach into the culture with our current attractional forms is getting less and less. We get a thinner slice of the cake as we go. So one of the strengths of the whole community, uh, our whole community engagement, is that it enables us to reach into areas in a way that we wouldn't otherwise uh, be able to. It gives us also a much greater sense of all being involved in the real deal. Remember what I talked about this morning about all our hopes and dreams being concentrated in an evangelistic course, which Julie is running. All the best, Julie. Or you coming into church and saying, Simon, make sure it's a good one. Hey, gee, thanks. I'll do my best. Uh, and uh, we want, this gives us the opportunity to move away from all of that. So this is something we can all be involved in. We can all be part of this process of reaching out, of engaging people. And we'll do that in different ways. In a community, we'll have different roles. We won't all be the same, of course. It gives us the opportunity to learn by doing. And we've talked a lot about that already today. And variety, eventually, you see, if a church only has one mission or community, then there's not much variety there. And you see, variety is not necessarily... Um, uh, a lack of variety is not necessarily a good thing. If you don't like singing, Sunday mornings is quite hard for you. Okay? Isn't it? And what would it be like if we could find multiple ways of expressing the Jesus life so that people can connect in a way that is more comfortable for them? That's a question. So, what would it look like to start a couple, several, lots, one? missional community. Well, it begins with a leader 
with a clear vision. We're looking for God to stir people's hearts. It begins with a holy discontent. I'm really bothered about my neighborhood. I really feel a burden for that group of girls or for that group of young adults or for the people that I work with or for the people at my golf club or wherever it might be. A clear vision driven by out. A holy discontent rooted in a neighborhood or a network. So what is the social group that we are seeking to engage with for the kingdom? So we might be tempted to say, well, we want to reach the whole of Ipswich. You'll never reach the whole of Ipswich whilst your goal is to reach the whole of Ipswich. But as we narrow it down and go, well, I, I, want, to, I want to impact that group of people, that oikos, that existing network of relationships. So what would it mean for us as a church? Well, that represents the vision of the church, okay? This is where we're going, and our vision is mission and maturity, okay? But within that broad vision, there could be countless mini-visions, missional communities, leaders popping up with holy discontents that could fit within the broader vision of our church. And in fact, as we started talking about this, a number of you have begun to find words to articulate things that God's been laying on your heart. You see, historically, if you had a vision to reach a certain group of people, a church like ours panicked. Because we would think, oh my goodness, that's more advertising, that's more money, they'll want more volunteers, we haven't got any volunteers, help. You understand that? Uh, But what if we said, no, we're going to turn the tables on all of that and say, if God's putting a vision on your heart, then we're going to try with all that's within us to fan that vision into flame. So just to give you an idea, God's been stirring Nancy about a vision and she's going to come and talk about it just for a couple of seconds. Hi, everybody. Um, I think it's just amazing. Can I just say that so many people are still here. This is just so encouraging and... uh, yeah, I'm sure, Simon, you must be very pleased about that, yeah. Right, for as long as I can remember, um, I've had a passion for all things art and crafty. I love sewing, I love clay, I love painting, anything to do with art and craft, I love. And whilst I'm enjoying this, I often find that when I'm immersed in, uh, immersed in some sort of creativity, I really hear God speaking to me um, in any kind of um, creativity, whether it's knitting sewing, you know, that relaxation that it brings, um, I think grounds me, and I find myself in God's company, and listening to what he wants for my life, and whilst I'm listening, I'm thinking, yes, that's what I want to do, you know, this is really where I want to be, um, and one day, it occurred to me that I could actually share my passion, uh, for things creative, um, with my family, with the young girls in my family. And so um, I invited them. I said, you know, would you like to learn to sew? And to my utter amazement, they said yes. And I, and I was amazed because I didn't think youngsters, young girls especially now, were actually interested in sewing or crafts or anything. And, th- and they were, really were. But I wasn't actually prepared for what happened next because this was kind of just a bit before... Um, I started doing the huddle uh, with Simon on a Wednesday evening. And when I was teaching them to sew, 
what I found was that conversation started to flow with them. You know, and they were telling me about things I had no idea that were going on in their lives. Absolutely no idea at all. I learned about all their concerns, the things that worried them. And as I was listening to them, I found myself speaking to them, reassuring them. And it was just just amazing to, to, to be in that situation where I could actually speak God's word. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that when I'd invited them to come and learn to sew. So it was, it was quite amazing. And then what I started to remember was that as I was growing up, my mum would always take that opportunity when she was teaching me to sew or to cook or to do something to talk to me about the concerns she had for me, things she was worried about in my life, and I could share with her what I was worried about. And it was her way of teaching me godly principles and I, and I happened to mention this to Kerry um, while I was doing while she was doing a coaching course with me and she said you know what you have here is the beginnings of a, a missional community and I kind of went well because it was really just a throwaway comment I'd made to her but actually it had it resonated um, with what you know the huddles was trying to do so I kind of went away and prayed about this. I've spoken to other people, um, other women within the church, um, who are also praying for God's discernment in this. And, um, you know, it just fits in with everything that Simon's been saying. It's something that I love doing. It's not a hardship for me to sit and teach somebody to sew or, or to do some kind of craft because I love it so much. And it just opens that you know, that space, really, to have that conversation um, and, and to hear uh, from these youngsters. So I'm aiming it uh, at teenagers from about 13 to 18, uh, and I hope that, you know, and pray that God willing, uh, I know he's in this because he's really put his, um, you know, put it on my heart, um, that we can reach out to these youngsters who, in this day and age, it seems to me, don't often have an opportunity where they can just be relaxed and free to, to, to talk. And um, so that's where I'm at. Brilliant. Thank you, Nancy, very much indeed for sharing that. So it starts with a leader with a vision. So does that mean we're going to allow people to follow their own God-given visions? That would be scary for churches that have existed on high control. The answer to that is yes, that's a challenge for us. What would it mean to encourage people to follow the vision that God's laying on their hearts for, uh, for out there, for people to uh, be, in terms of what we do as a church, in a low control, i.e. we're not going to impose on them, we're not going to say to Nancy, we're not interested in that because we don't like sewing, (laughs) or whatever it might be. But we can't do that by itself. We can't let us all go off and do our own thing because that will turn into anarchy and we'll quickly lose the vision because that's what human nature is like. So we need to have a way, a mechanism of holding people highly accountable. And the huddle is the environment that we've been experimenting with to see if we can get that to work in terms of a, of a challenge and a high accountable environment. So if someone was leading a missional community, we would make sure that we huddled them, that we held them accountable 
for the vision that God was laying on their hearts. We all need that, don't we? We all need someone to say, are you doing what you said God has asked you to do? And the people leading the missional community can set their own goals in terms of vision. So it might be that we're reaching out to a neighborhood and we want to know the names and the jobs of everyone in our close within six months' time. That might be the goal. Well, you need someone to hold you to that, otherwise it'll just slip. In 12 months, we want to have a meal with three families. Whatever it might be, we need to be held accountable. But more importantly, much more importantly, if we're going to go out there and be Jesus, in here we need to hold each other accountable to live like that. And do you know what? I need you to hold me accountable to live up, in and out in my life. And I've got a feeling you do too. And so we need to create this environment where uh, we're allowing people to follow the vision that God's laying on their hearts, but we're holding them accountable clearly at the same time. And then, of course, if we're going to start a missional community, the key is in the name, community. A leader <clears throat> is not a community. Are there others that are following? So in Nancy's example... For example, we'd be thinking together as a church, okay, are there other people in this church that share that kind of passion, that share that heart, that can gather around people that are starting to pray and believe God's onto something with us through that particular uh, community? And then lastly, we've talked a lot about the kind of uh, culture that we need to, to develop. Now, the beauty of doing something in community is that it's not all about you. You haven't got all the skills, have you? And neither have I. That's why the Bible calls us to be a body. Okie doke, we're coming into land. I just want to make some comments about what God is doing all over the place. And then I'm going to invite uh, Julie to come and just chat away to Matt and Joe, who, with our blessing and encouragement, have begun to uh, experiment, innovate with... Uh, the beginnings of a missional community in their neighbourhood, and Julie's going to chat to them. But before we listen to that, I've just become so aware in the last few months of how God's putting this on the agenda of Christians all over the the place. By the place, I mean the Western uh, world. So, for example, I mentioned the church, uh, St. Thomas's Philadelphia in in Sheffield. That's an LEP, an Anglican and Baptist partnership. The minister or the senior leader there is a Baptist minister trained in one of our Baptist colleges. He tells me they've been doing this kind of thing for about 20 years. He tells me that they're growing at about 300 new disciples every six months. Now, even if that's highly exaggerated... It's an amazing thing that God's doing through them in the city of Sheffield. And that came out originally years back, an Anglican church called St. Thomas Crooks, where a a man by the name of Mike Breen was the, the minister and pioneered something of the missional community movement in the UK. Also in Sheffield is another church that some of you will be aware of. Again, all these same principles coming to the fore, but from quite a different theological position. So the crowded house, led by Tim Chester and others, who wrote Total Church, coming from a reformed IVP, conservative evangelical tradition. Also, God's bringing all this stuff on the agenda for them as well. And they, if you've read Total Church, operate a very similar model. 
Big Baptist churches and small Baptist churches are beginning to explore with this. Morningside Baptist Church in Edinburgh, a very significant Baptist church, has been doing missional communities for quite a long time now, calls them missional expressions. Morden Baptist Church, I mentioned down in the south. The Baptist Union has got its teeth into all of this. A few years ago, Jonathan Edwards, the general uh, secretary, started talking about it, and they've, in fact, created a whole, um, I don't know whether it's department, but initiative in the Baptist Union called Crossing Places, which is all about how we engage community within community. It's all about being this different kind of church. St. Andrew's in Chorley Wood that I mentioned. Some of you will have seen Messy Church on Songs of Praise. No one owning up to watching Songs of Praise, but some of you have seen it because you talked to me about it. Uh, again, this is about how do we create church in the community? How do we capture up, in and out, not in an event, but in a set of relationships? The European uh, church planting movement uh, operates events called Share It, which is networking churches right across Europe that are trying to come out from the models that we've known to try and be more authentically community church in the way that we've been talking about. And then Verge and 3DM are, are two big movements that are doing the same thing in the US. So God's kind of on the move. That's just a very quick snapshot of what God is doing in the way that he's stirring people. And I'm excited about that. Christians from all backgrounds, all flavours, all traditions, saying we need to rediscover something of the Jesus way and to become all that he has for us. Julie, Matt and Joe, would you come? Come on up, guys. So, oh, I won't put that on there. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about the, the passion and the vision that God's been growing in you guys in the last few months? Yeah. Um, well, I've always felt that the park near us is a great resource to have been used. And we just love having, um, enjoying time with our family and using the park. So... We, we thought, you know, why not bring those two things together and, um, and just join with other families um, in our close, in, um, in Meadowvale Close, to, to uh, you know, try and reach out and, and start a community um, and to get to know our neighbours a little bit more because we don't know them very well, even though we've lived there for six, six years. <laughs> so the, the, the vision is about your community then is that what you're saying about the people that live around you or who in particular are you trying to reach um yeah well we, we thought about families in particular because families is is what we know family is what we are um there's also quite a, a high proportion of elderly folk down down the street but uh, so we did this uh, did work wonder first of all which way to go but we thought we'd do family first because again that's how who we are and we felt more natural in that in that way so So that's kind of your out expression that we've been talking about tell us about the up and the in part and how that's been expressed in your group (laughs) Um, well first of all we start with prayer so we probably meet about half an hour ish when we can um, before to pray with each other and then afterwards, we then get together with the other families, and we've been having shared lunch or coffee together. It's been really exciting, actually, because it's a couple of 
um, particularly one family that are quite new to the church. Um, we didn't really know them before, but God's really brought us together. And it's been really interesting to start sharing each other's ideas and visions that we have for the area and our heart for people that, you know, don't know Jesus and how, and how can we do that, you know, together. So, so you've obviously been doing this um, as a family with other families um, and of course your children have been involved in this. How's that been for you? Um, well, when we first started, we really wanted whatever we would do. Um, we had a real sort of uh, passion that whatever we do, we'd like to do it as a family. We didn't want to be separated from our children um, for lots of reasons. But in particular, you know, we want to disciple our children. We want to show them, you know, Jesus in action. And we realized that we weren't doing that. We were coming to church on Sunday and we loved it. And they know loads of Bible stories. And we're so proud of, of what they do and how they know Jesus in that way. But we just wanted to then step out a bit but have have it as a family. Um, and they've been really excited by it, haven't they, in, in lots of different ways. You know, Alex in, in a sort of more mature way and um, sort of really sort of understanding what we're doing. James just loved just going, going to the park. Um, and Jacob loves meeting the teenage girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what has been difficult for you guys as you've started this? Yeah, I think whenever you um, step out for Jesus, I think the key is to remember you are in a spiritual battle. And I think when we sort of both, Matt and I, decided, yes, this is the vision, yeah, we really want to go for this, we, we started to get doubts, you know, can you really do that? Oh, you know, can you knock on somebody's door and say, oh, you know, they're going to think you're crazy, they're going to think oh, that person's really weird, you know, um, put obstacles in your way. Um, but I think the thing that kept us together is to really remember God's vision um, and to keep on going with it because he's planted that in with you, not to stumble and not to give up because we were so surprised when we knocked on people's doors about the openness and everybody said, what a great idea. I mean, obviously you get the odd person, but not so keen, but um, in general... We've, we've been really pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So what other things have been encouraging for you in the last few weeks? Um, well, lots of things, really. I mean, just not necessarily uh, the fun in the park that we do on a Sunday. We've had one family that's um, coming every, every time regularly. And if we'd have thought at the beginning which family that would be, they would have probably been at the bottom of our list. Of, so, you know, that's God, isn't it? So um, that, that's been fantastic. Um, it's been lovely. And, and also, during the week and at different times of the day, um, we've just been speaking to more families and more and more people in our street um, in a more intentional way and just, just to sort of connect with them, haven't we, really? And another area, as Joe sort of talked about earlier, is just, um, you know, getting to know um, the Carringtons and the Fullers who have been helping us with it. Just really lovely. It's just sort of to do that, as it says there, together. You haven't got to do it on your own. And it's just been so wonderful, like, you know, Melody speaking to, you know, a cousin, you know, that he hasn't seen for ages, who lives locally, and Amber as well, just uh, really... Um, the girl from the family that's coming just wanted to know if Amber was there. So it's every part, every member of our families, God's using in, in as it says there in their, in their own strengths. 
So it's just been wonderful to share that journey as well. Thank you. That's, that's really great to hear that as a community that these things are happening. And what could we pray for you um, in the next few weeks and months, do you think? Um, I think we'd like to pray for clarity about where to go to next. Obviously, we've got 21 people in our community now. Um, we've been meeting on the park, which um, is obviously going to be winter uh, soon. So I think we need to think about together where our where our vision is, where we feel God is saying where we need to be next. Um, like, you know, a lot, lot of the pictures are showing maybe people meeting coffee shops or, you know, just for God to really plant something in our hearts about where, where we should be placed. Great. Thanks very much, guys, and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke, it's five to three or thereabouts. We're coming into land uh, in the next uh, ten minutes perhaps and then we'll sing and then we'll, then we'll go. So where, where do we go from here? How do we keep the conversation alive? My, my prayer and hope out of today is that it will have just begun ever so gently to create a platform, a sense of understanding together out of which we can begin to talk and discuss and pray and reflect and seek the way that God's leading us um, together. Now, a number of, of obvious routes that that can and will, I hope, take. We, we'll need to bring all of this onto our church meeting agenda, the way it informs our decision-making as we listen carefully to what God is saying. But more than that, or in and around that, because that's just an event once a month, just come and talk about it. Come here to me, talk to anyone about it. Let's make this a, a, an issue of prayer and reflection uh, and seeking together. I'm quite serious about using my blog. I know that sounds uh, like that alienates a lot of people. Really, if you've got a computer, then you can look or bring your holy discontent. The thing that's burning in your heart might be the very thing God wants us as a church to get around with you. And that's exciting, isn't it? As we open our hearts to what God would long to do. And my prayer is that all this conversation will be a bit like that film. You know, all hands on deck. We'll innovate, we'll be creative. We'll go back to the original maker. We'll work really hard together because failure is not an option. And that doesn't mean that we won't fail. Missional communities will start and fail. That's fine, isn't it? We have a strong centre. We can go out from that strong centre. We can be supported from that strong centre. We can be nursed and cared for by that strong centre as well. Remember that Jesus modelled high support and high challenge and to move from here to there takes you through the valley of the shadow of death. People will react against change because we all react against change. We all find it hard. People will find it hard because it is hard. Because what we're talking about today is not simply doing different things, but we're talking about trying to become different people. I hope you sense that through the day. It's about God working in me 
You see, because, can I be honest? I began by being honest. You see, my up, in and out is out of balance. I'm not very good at my out. And I'm the vicar. You've got to help me get that right. That's urgent, isn't it? For the people around me that God wants to reach. I need to help you get that right as well. And so we've, we've got to be in this together. Uh, and it is hard. So remember when it's really tough that you heard it here first. It, it's, it's not an easy journey that we're thinking about. And, and it won't be the same church in some ways. And in some ways that's the idea. But hey, we may become more like Jesus and many more may come into the kingdom. So what's the vision? This is my last slide. The vision is of a really strong lifeboat centre. And that's what we've been doing. We've been building a really strong rescue centre. But it dawned on me 18 months, two years ago, that we've never launched any lifeboats. And my prayer is that we'll be a really strong lifeboat centre, that the centre here will get stronger and stronger, that our worship when we come together will be more alive than we've ever known it to be, that we'll sense God's presence here in ways that we've never ever imagined yet, that God's word will come alive in ways that we cannot yet believe, and that every Sunday as we gather together, we'll be more excited by what God is doing. But because that will never be enough, for us to grow into mature disciples. And because that'll never be enough for us to become a missional church, I want us to have a strong centre and a strong edge. And the edge is the missional communities, where we'll be amazed at how we're reaching people in different parts of Ipswich we thought we'd never reach. Amazed that God can do so much more out there than he can do in here. Amazed that when we open our mouths in the name of Jesus, things begin to change. Amazed by what God can do. So we might end up with something like this. A really strong centre but a really strong edge of missional communities reaching into networks, oikoses all around the town. A really strong edge and the support goes both ways. And so in a given month you're part of a missional community and you will come into the centre and you'll go back out to your missional community. And we'll live in that rhythm because we need both. We can't just have one. And it would be an absolute disaster for us to say, remember where I began, the word and, to say all of this, we don't need this because it's not working, we need this new thing. That's rubbish. That's a lie. That's not what we're saying. We need all of this and alongside it, we need something else in God's agenda that fills in that missing space. I suppose I'm asking that in these months and years ahead, that we'd be a really grace-filled community. Some of us kind of thinking, wow, this has just blown me away. I, I don't know where I am. I can't get my head around any of this. Others of us perhaps are quite excited about it and, uh, and want to leap in. Let's have the grace. Let's have the grace. For those of us who are, who are not sure where we are in all of this, all the anchor points that we know are still here. Sundays, small groups, all of that. But let's have the grace to allow people as God calls them and we learn together to launch some lifeboats with a lot of encouragement and a lot of celebration.